Hello everybody, we're home because we're home. Podcast number four, this is Danny from Anathema, how do you do? Going to explain a bit more about weather systems on this podcast and we're also going to have a chat with Vincent and uh, the producer of weather systems, uh, Krista Anders Sederberg in Norway. I'm also going to play, as I usually do, songs that I like. I'll just explain the situation here. I'm sitting out in the garden in London. The next door neighbours are hanging around, they're cool. And... Um, it's nice, there was a thunderstorm just a little while ago, like an April shower, it's nice and warm now. And uh, it's quiet, it's Easter Sunday here. So, first song I'd like to play to open this proceeding is um, a song that you might not expect. It's quite long and it's quite epic and very very heavy, but it's, it's great, you know, there's every movement in this song is brilliant. Particularly the part that says, um, I don't care if you don't care. So this is um, a song that I hope you'll appreciate. It's Green Day and Jesus of Suburbia. I just wanna raise your love. The Jesus of Suburbia, the Bible love.
us from another broken was Green Day. Um, moving on now to the next band, um, they changed music. Some of you might be too young to remember when this band first exploded onto the scene, but everything was different after they came about. It's still, in my opinion, the greatest rock album, hard rock album ever made by anybody. It's never been beaten before or since. And it changed music. Everything was different after this band came on the scene. In fact, before the album was even released, uh, the producer had a garden party and Billy from the Smashing Pumpkins was there and nobody had heard the album and the uh, producer played the record and everybody stopped talking at, at the party and the, the record went all the way through. And at the very end, it was completely silent. And Billy said, play it again. And they played it again. And Billy told the producer that this is going to change music, which is funny because they never planned for it. They only printed 50,000 copies of this record. It sold 30 million. But when they first released it on their uh, label, it was 50,000 initial pressing to sell. And uh, it exploded and became legendary. And believe me when I tell you that everything was different afterwards. This is Nirvana and Come As You Are. Yes, I know. 
So that was Nirvana, Come As You Are. Now, I'll go on to um, talk a little bit about the Weather Systems record. It was produced by Chris there in Norway and in Liverpool, I believe. Some of it was done in Norway, some of it was done in Liverpool and other places. Turned out great in the end. First song I'm going to play for you is called Sunlight. This is the song that I sang. And I remember when John was recording the drums, Vincent asked me to tell you that that was the time when we were both playing the drum kit, me and John at the same time. I was on the cymbals and all of that stuff and John was playing the beat. And uh, I'd actually forgotten that that happened, but Vinny reminded me, this is Sunlight.
next is uh, a chat with uh, Vincent and Krista. Um, Krista kindly offered to have a talk about uh, the album and the process and uh, everything else that's going on with him in Norway, in his studio. He's a great producer and a great guy and he was a wonderful friend to work with. Um, please enjoy this chat with Vincent and Krista. Hey. Hey, Krista. Hey, Vin. Uh, it's always nice to hear your voice. You always sound really upbeat, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at pretending. Yeah. <laughs> How, how's life, man? What are you up to these days? What's, uh, are you, what are you working on? Well, uh, these are strange times indeed, considering the, the COVID thing. Uh, but... Um, I'm fortunate uh, since I'm mostly mixing nowadays and uh, all my mixing is remote. Yeah. Uh, I mostly just work with people either from out of town or from uh, another country, basically. So I'm yeah. not that affected. Some Are there some projects you're doing where you haven't actually met the band yet? You know, I, I never meet anyone. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Also, like so, I'm doing... So social uh, isolation for you is actually not a new thing? Yeah, there's no difference. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. No, I guess that's the good thing about um, being able to send stuff uh, through the worldwide uh, web. But uh, that's also the downside that you kind of... Also, I do quite a lot of like uh, major label pop stuff. And then I... I I don't even communicate with the artists because you have like A&Rs and managers in between, right. so you don't you don't have this personal connection. So that's um, wow. How strange must that be for the artist? I mean, that they're not even in control of their own stuff, really. Ultimately, well, I think there it's just different chains. So I think they just trust the people that are forwarding the communication, yeah. and they're really hands-on. It's just that you don't. Yeah. get to talk to them much at all okay but, yes. um, but this is my so I have a mixing suite but I have this large format uh, residential studio as well where I have um, uh, three other engineers that are working for me is this all in Christian's hand yeah mm. okay um, uh, but this studio that that's kind of affected by the whole thing because uh, we are focusing on solidarity and safety, so we've had to, you know, stop at least a month of work for these guys uh, of recording uh, because we want to do it in a safe way. And so they're they are uh, really affected by this, you yeah. know, no no work and no nothing. Oh God, yeah. People have got families to support at home as well, haven't they? You know, it's tough. Yeah, it is. So, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I try to be, you know, it's a tragedy, all this that's happening. But I think, you know, to stay sane in all this, I think it's important, you know, if you have a company like this or you work with creative stuff and just to, uh, I don't know, work uh, on the company instead of in it and like strategic 
working systems and get better at stuff you uh, have wanted to get better of that for a while and just exactly. stay constructive and creative that's important i think so yeah there's there's possibilities for us to you know to use this time positively as much as possible yeah and i think you know there are because in life you have a lot of things that are um, important and urgent but you also have a lot of things that are important but not urgent they're as important yeah. but they're not urgent so you don't get to do these things they you, there's always a lag and um, yeah. i think times like these you can actually go dive deep into stuff like that and really feel that you're accomplishing something yeah you know yeah definitely so anyway so going back to weather systems this um how did we meet, by the way? Uh, it was was it Danny who set up this this session? Because Danny was living in Oslo at the time, and he knew Petter. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Krista and I, we have a mutual friend in Petter Carlson, who's a, a great singer songwriter, and mm. um, I guess you'd been working with Petter at the time, and then you he introduced you to us. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think it was touring with you guys, wasn't it? Yeah, that's, that's right, in 2010. Yeah. And um, yeah, mm. so it was sort of on the cards, you know, it'd been spoken about this guy's a, a great engineer, a great producer, you know, might be cool to work with him. Mm. So we're like, yeah, okay. And then we met, yeah, and we thought, okay, well, he's, he's really cool. He's really easy to talk to, really easy to get along with. We've got very similar taste in music and similar taste in what we're into um sonically and so okay let's let's do it let's do something yeah so yeah and then you came to to liverpool now the, the funny thing about liverpool krista is i'd actually moved out of the city in a few years before that so i hadn't been in liverpool for about four or five years i remember when we got there I don't know. Like, I, maybe I'd forgotten how much of a party city it was. But do you remember when we, when we were there, <laughs> it was like just a random. I think the first day was like a random sort of Tuesday, right? And yeah, we'd been working all day. I hadn't been out the studio, and then sort of finished around ten o'clock at night, and yeah. then sort of w went out to get something to eat or something, or to go back to the apartment. And the whole of the city centre was just total bedlam. <laughs> and it was just it wasn't a special day or anything it was just mayhem on the streets and uh, everybody going going nuts and having a laugh how, how was your first impressions of liverpool then well yeah it was just uh totally total mayhem you know being so focused <laughs> for because we worked for hours and hours i don't know like mm. 10 or 12 hours each day and you were kind of knackered and you went out from the studio and it was just <laughs> <laughs> everybody was just all over the place and that's yeah. my that's kind of because we were working so hard i think to me that that was all i saw that that was my impression of liverpool that was just a lot of crazy yeah, people having fun just nighttime, yeah. because <laughs> we'd, we'd basically go in there first thing in the morning come out late at night i was trying to remember if we you know if we went to any you know bars or restaurants but i don't think we did much actually i think we just worked pretty solid for a couple of weeks yeah. there we didn't really mm -hmm. do much do you remember there was a part 
um, at Par Street Studios. So we went to Par Street Studios in the centre of town in Liverpool. It's a legendary studio. Mm. It's a great place. We, we worked with uh, Andrea Wright there. Andrea is a brilliant engineer, in-house engineer at Par Street. Yeah. And um, so that was great. And, but also in Par Street, they had what used to be Studio 2. It was now converted into a bar. So we went there a couple of times, I remember. Um, yeah. Just because it was convenient, because it was next door. But then we just get off and just, you know. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty, pretty boring, really, <laughs> as a session. Uh, but yeah. yeah but I know, I mean, when you. The whole. Uh, I don't know, the, the energy and the focus on, you know, the. the um, you guys make, you know, emotional stuff you know and you have to be uh, connected to that and so the focus you use a lot of energy and um, there's not much left when you get out of the studio then. you know it's um sure yeah 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 do you remember when we when we first went to the studio to do this thing we thought we were just going to do an ep and we'd had some tracks left over from the we're here because we're here sessions and mm. those those tracks that we actually we wanted to string them together as a sequence so they were the garden of the clouds lightning song sunlight and the storm before the calm and we always knew those four would go in sequence and um we were just going to record that as an ep so we once we got to liverpool we did those four songs and somehow, I don't know, I can't even remember why we did it, but I, I think I'd I'd always, I'd liked this riff of Danny's that I knew he had lying around. And um, it was the acoustic guitar riff to Internal Landscapes. And I really liked it. And it was in a, it was in a, it was in 5-4. And it had this sort of laid back groove to it. And I thought, this is really cool, this, you know, there's something we can do here. So why don't we try it? Then I remember we sort of jammed it with um, Danny and John and it came together really quickly that song and then and then it was the case of like okay well we've done five now let's make an album yeah so we we went to once once we finished up in Liverpool for those five songs we'd sort of finished them pretty much and then we went to Norway and Danny had these songs in his back pocket, turned up, yeah, Untouchable 1, Untouchable 2, beginning and the end, and The Lost Child was one that I knew already. I always knew that one. That was sort of my favourite of his piano ideas from, which originally started around here because we're here and then developed during that process of going to Norway and he was living there and I think he wrote most of it there so mm. yeah so we just recorded those four songs in nobody at least all the basic tracks and then and then went over to to Wales Andrea had found us a studio in in Wales which was called Ariel and yeah. this was um, this was an old World War 2 bunker just outside Wrexham that was converted into a recording studio so complete isolation complete like six foot thick walls on parts of it um it was residential as well so we were all living living in there like so we're just rooming up you know i think i was sharing a room with john and um yeah 
So we were there for a week or ten days just to finish off the rest of the stuff, and then it was done. It was, um, yeah, it was a broken session, but yeah, I think it all sort of came together in the end, really. Mm. And I think it was a good thing that we had several sessions like that because I remember, you know, Danny, like The Lost Child and the other songs uh, that w were in session number two, he was playing a lot of those uh, themes and songs um, after sessions on the upright piano at Par Street, I remember. Yeah, yeah, he uh, was, yeah. Just playing around with the ideas and uh, I think they just needed some, you know, Bit of space uh, and time. Sometimes it's yeah. Sometimes it's good just to have a short break and see from the sideline and uh, have at it mm. again. So I think it was yeah. the right thing to do for this session. And also, I think it gave you know the tracks a bit more identity because you have like drum recordings in different kinds of rooms and different kinds of mics and amps and you know so you have this subtle nuances that you may not have gotten if you were to do it in one studio i don't know um yeah also like uh, this is a detail for the geeks i guess uh, but uh i remember when i was mixing this album i sent like the drum tracks like the um, direct mics the kick drum snare and the toms to uh andrea at par street and so all the recordings from all the different studios were sent into the stone room of Pastrit. So we had this natural stone room reverb that we blended into yeah. all the different kits. So you had the different kits from different rooms in different time. Um, but you had this, um, uh, this tail this this reverb tail that's from the original room kind of and you can hear it also on the album if you focus on it and i think yeah. that's a cool little detail mm. you're always one for little details krista <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's really cool that's really cool speaking of a bit more geeky stuff what mics did you use on the vocals because this is the first time that we'd recorded with you both myself and Lee had never worked with you before, but instantly we, we really liked the sound that you got and we liked working with you as well, just doing the takes. So what was your sort of recording approach and producing approach on the vocals? Well, uh, I felt lucky there because, you know, I was in a situation where I had two world-class vocalists, oh, you know, so... <laughs> no, but, no, but I, I was... I was listening to the album just now and that's, you know, what really, the vocals are like amazing on that album for both of you. I think Thanks that it's much, like the, yeah, the strongest element on the whole album is just the vocals there. And I just remember that you, you guys would do, my, my goal was just to, uh, together with you, you guys just make like the best vocals you have had ever done you know that was the goal like always upping the game for each song and but we would have like um a take that sounded great and uh we could have just used it on the album because it was great you know nothing to say uh but then we were always pushing like is it humanly possible to do it even better and i yeah. think you guys just nailed that so uh, to me it's all about um, performance and the feeling of things. You know, if 
I don't think the mics matter too much if you have the right emotion and the right uh, feeling um, then that's all you need but uh, I seem to remember that we were using in at past we were using Neumann U87 yeah, on both is, of you yeah. funny really yeah just sort of works for some people doesn't work for some people you know it's one of them yeah it's either or with that mic yeah. Um, but in Oslo, I think we used. Uh, I have a mic that has like a Neumann U forty seven capsules. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, the um, oh an old tube Neumann mic. Yeah, that's a good mic. Yeah. yeah. So from a producer's perspective, uh, it's been a while now. It's been uh, it's been eight years since that album. And, how do you think you've changed as a producer? How do you think you've um, you've progressed? Um, I, th- you, I think it's uh, this thing about performance, you know, because to me, I think this is one of the albums where I've just pushed and pushed and pushed as far as possible, you know, and I think the results uh, of that... Um, the, the, the way this album is communicating I think it's it was just one of those where you see that okay um, performance is everything uh, I, yeah. I've always been like a tech geek and uh, I guess you always learn you know um, new techniques and stuff like that but to me that was um, the most important thing about this album just um, so the emotional side of it I think after that, I started focusing even more on how the listener would experience something. You know, if something really resonates within you, it it's, it will probably resonate within quite a lot of other people, you know, because... Um, yeah. um, we're all kind of the, the same, you know, There's if there's um, resonance, that, then that's what you need. Uh, emotional so, resonance yeah 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 mm. so that's you know been my focus since so also when i'm mixing as well it's uh, um, it's just everything is about emotional response um because you know the people that are listening to this music they are you know emotionally connected they don't care about the technical side yeah so i guess i was more of a technical geek before and now i don't care too much if it feels uh, right then it's right no matter how it's done you know yeah yeah okay cool so yeah all right so anyway we'll wrap it up thanks very much for talking to us man it's it's really good to to speak to you again let's play a tune from the album let's do the beginning and the end because right at the end of that song the piano on the outro that's you isn't it you played that and you play bass on pretty much the whole record as well. So Yeah, I played bass on the album, but I don't remember the piano. I have oh, to yeah, you did. To that At the end of the beginning and the end, there's a little arpeggio on the right hand, a high note on the piano. That's you, that. Wow. Yeah, you forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you for- well, 
<laughs> That's probably, probably the last time I played piano as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sound. All right, mate. Okay, you take care. Speak to you soon. Same to you. And All the best. Yeah, it was nice talking with you. Tusen tak. Tusen tak. Snackes nacht. Grüt. Bye-bye.
right, so next song I'd like to play is um, something a little bit different. Going back again to about 1992, uh, this band really, really blew up as well. Uh, not quite as great as Nirvana, but their first album is pretty close. In fact, it's the best thing they ever did, the first album. And um, for some reason, in my opinion, apart from a few songs, they've never really managed to capture that record ever again. But uh, they were really, really great with an amazing singer and great songwriting. Pearl Jam from the album 10, this is Jeremy.
So the thing about the Seattle thing was that um, it had like a punk aesthetic to it. Uh, it was completely different to the stupid hair metal that was going around at that time, which I hated most of that. I mean, obviously you don't include Aerosmith and bands like that, but most of it was really, really terrible. And uh, it was everywhere in the 80s and Nirvana and the other, you know, Pearl Jam and stuff. They, they kind of destroyed all of that music and that might have been really tough for some, but I think it needed to happen. Um, and like I said, they had a punk aesthetic. I've never been much of a punk fan, but there are certain bands and certain moments in punk that I really love. And because I'm such a slave to melody, I really love melodic, melodic singers. So I'll play you a, the most melodic punk band there's ever been. This is Bad Religion from the album Stranger Than Fiction. This is Tiny Voices. with the punk thing I'm on a bit of a roll with this um, just got to go straight into it this song has um, punk kind of aesthetic but it was different it was made I think in 1979 and um, John Douglas says it's one of his favorite bands of all time and this song is like nothing I've ever heard I've never there's a quality in this song that I've I've never heard in another song ever by anybody 
Um, and it's not the moment for me in this song that makes it so ghostly is is not the chorus which everybody knows it's if you listen out for the verse of this song and listen to the keyboard line it's one fingered keyboard stuff and it it's absolutely brilliant it really really is joy division were an incredible group uh, sometimes and this is their best song and this is love will tear us apart Ambitions are alone. 
guys, that was The Clash with I Fought the Law. I've always liked that song. I don't know why. It's just so catchy. Um, so moving on, uh, The Lost Child was, um, we thought was one of our best songs ever. In fact, John and Vincent still think it's the best thing I've ever written, uh, particularly like the musical moments in it, uh, the way it moves like a piano kind of, it's all piano based. And um, the initial melody came from a dream. What happened was we were in the bungalow where we made, we're here because we're here in hindsight. And I had a dream one night and it was a very, very strange mystical kind of dream. I won't go into the details of the dream, but what happened at the end was this melody was swimming around in the dream in my head. And um, I woke up from the dream and I still had it. And I, I think I'm told I woke Vincent up and told him about it at like four in the morning. And then I made a little recording of it and then uh, went back to sleep. And that uh, melody became the initial moment of this song. This is uh, produced by Krista, sung by Vincent, and written by me, this is The Lost Child.
Okay, uh, moving on briefly from the anathema stuff, I'll play something different now. This band gets a lot of shit uh, from people, particularly the stuff they did in the 80s, but in fact, their 80s material is the only stuff I can really listen to by them. Um, I don't really like the early stuff, 
by Genesis, but I do like this song. It's very, very spooky. I think it was made in 1980 or maybe 86. I'm not sure, but uh, it's a really good one. And this is the era of Genesis that I like. This is Mama.
but mountains are home now for me. But my home is the of destruction Baptisms of fire I've witnessed your suffering As the battle reached high And
Okay, that was Genesis and also Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Now, I have to tell you, like, Mark Knopfler was my guitar hero when I was a kid, and he still is. But it was more also just because he was a really good songwriter and unique kind of vocalist. But he did, he did have this great, great touch with the guitar. And I love the quote from Michael Ackerfeld of Opeth, um, which I read in a magazine once which I will repeat for you now, it's great. He said, if you play guitar and you don't like Mark Knopfler, you suck. <laughs> Thanks, Michael, for that one. We did a good tour with them, actually. And I, I realised um, on the tour what it was about that band that made them so great. I'm, I've never been much of a fan of, an o, of Opeth, but I can, for what they're doing, they're, they're world class at that. Maybe I'll save an Opeth song for another day. So the next three songs are all back to back and completely different from each other. And I have personal connection with all of them. Uh, first one is ABBA, The Winner Takes It All. It's really, as a pop song, it's perfect. It's one of the best pop songs I've ever heard in my life. There's a moment in this when uh, the lead vocal stops and the back backing vocals continue at the end and it's absolutely magic. Uh, following that, we're gonna have Green Man by Type of Negative, reminding me of 2014 when I just moved to London and I used to listen to that album all the time. It's really, really great. And I think for the style of gothic kind of metal, if you like, I think Peter Steele was the best in the world at that. So that's Green Man. And the last song I'm gonna play is South of Heaven by Slayer. Needs no introduction. History. I played all my cards, and that's what you've done too. Nothing more to say, no more race to play. The winner takes it all, the loser standing small beside the victory. It's simple and it's 
Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been podcast number four of We're Home Because We're Home. Quite a long one because I've chosen to play a lot of songs in this one, but um, I look forward to listening to it afterwards because I like listening to the tunes in this context. Last song I'm going to play is When the Levy Breaks by Led Zeppelin. Uh, their fourth album, Led Zeppelin 4, is the best one they did, in my opinion, and it's the one time and the only time that they were truly the best band in the world for a little while, uh, maybe for that record. Certainly it's uh, their most complete album and the production is amazing and it's perfect all the way through. I sometimes think Zeppelin get a bit overrated by people. They get a lot of hero worship and yeah, they were great, don't get me wrong, but you know, Pink Floyd were more important than them, the Beatles too, but um, still, the fourth album is great. This is when the levy breaks. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Cheers. Stay safe, everybody. Ciao.